Mr. Caleb Nelson, thank you so much for being one of the first guests on uh, my podcast, uh, which is going to be the main journey. Uh, that's the first time I've actually spoken the podcast name out loud. So that's exciting. Um, but thank you for joining me. We did get to meet in America just uh, a few months ago. So I'm excited to get the opportunity to catch up. And again, like I say, just learn a little bit more about you and your journey. And Bro, like I said, I did yeah. tell you, I stalked you a little bit before we got here today. Um, and we actually have a very similar journey Ooh. and that your degree i believe was in uh kinesiology that's correct yeah uh, my degree was in sports coaching so still in the health and fitness space and yeah. then you went on to um get yourself a gym i did it was quite a venture yeah um so i had i went to suny Cortland, which is in central new york for anybody who's wondering where that is Go Red Dragons. Um, <laughs> I'm super, super enthused. Um, yeah, so my concentrated, they called it, they changed the name of the, uh, the what was it called? The, um, the Department of Kinesiology from Exercise Science. Yeah. Because they were like, I think people are going to get better jobs from just changing the name. I have no idea if that's true or not. Uh, but for anybody that's listening who doesn't know what kinesiology means, it's just it's a fancy word for study of human movement. Yep. And my concentration was in exercise or pardon in fitness development. Um, so to finish my degree, which for most people they see internships as like annoyances. Looking back now, I'm like, I was super grateful that I had to go work somewhere and get some understanding practically of, of like the industry. So, um, I was dating a girl all through college and she lived in Albany, New York, where I reside right now, well, a little North of Albany. And, um, I start I started at Albany CrossFit. So that was one of the bigger oh, CrossFits. OG. Oh, yeah. OG. Like this is what circa 2009 when I showed up there. Wow. That's and, a uh, true OG. Yeah. Yeah. Super OG. My buddy had introduced me to CrossFit when I was, Oh, we were juniors in college. So 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. Um, all, we always joke like it's pre-Bach before Reebok got involved in everything. And now it's whatever, Noble or something like that. Yep. Money. money. <laughs> yeah, before the money started rolling in. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I remember showing up, they were running, um, they were doing sectionals. So back in the day in CrossFit, mm -hmm. um, they did sectionals which most people would have no idea what the hell they're like, there's the open and then there's the regionals and there's like, a different language already for most completely different language. And, uh, Jason Ackerman, a friend of mine, he owns, uh, he now owns affiliate U, um, which helps a lot of CrossFit affiliates build, um, improve their businesses and whatnot. Um, I remember showing up to, to meet him. Like I emailed him back and forth. He barely responded. Um, I had actually reached out to like, two or three, there's only a couple of CrossFit boxes in New York state at the time, only a couple of which were even like reputable. One was in New York city and I showed up there. They really wanted me to just like swipe. Um, there's still only like, a few that are reputable, <laughs> but keep going. <laughs> it was nothing there. Like there was literally nothing on the map in this area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was literally like still grassroots and uh, it was crazy. And, um, but they wanted me at that one in New York city to just basically swipe cards and out during like when I would go home from college or like at the end of high school, I worked at a place called club fit in, uh, in Briarcliff, which ironically he had worked at the sister club fit up yeah, uh, nice. a town above that. So we kind of have an interesting connection there, but, uh, I was like, no, I want some practical experience. I've already ran the front desk, did the whole welcoming committee thing. Like I want a little more hands-on experience. Um, because what most people don't realize aside, aside from like my time, with like, we had to do like this one practical thing where we take one client through it. Like you di didn't get any practical experience coaching people in school. Now, I don't know what it is now, but I know for me, like so many people graduate with a degree nowadays and it means nothing. Yeah. Like you don't know how to apply any of this information. Mm -hmm. You just memorized a bunch of nonsense yep. and then you show up in the, in the workplace. So coupled with the, the benefit of my ex that I had well, she's not my ex, but like we had dated for four years and we thought we were going to get married and all that, whatever. She lived in the area. She had started that spot. I was like, all right, whatever. And I remember showing up 
to the sectionals that day. It was in the parking lot of this racquetball court <laughs> where he was housed with it. Classy. Oh, super classy. I mean, it was just like rugged and rough. And I mean, I was super attracted to that kind of like grassroots appeal back in the day. I'm still always like to be on the cutting edge of some mm-hmm. things, but a bit of rust um, on the dumbbells. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and I remember him, he had like this rainbow teddy bear belt on, like he looked like the hippie of all hippies. Sand, like water sandals on, some cargo shorts, his long hair and his signature at the time, like his son is Oakley's holding his hair back. And I mean, I see this guy, I'm like, huh, all right, this is going to be whatever. And, uh, you know, we connected a little bit. I ended up starting up with him and, uh, I guess I'd say the rest is history. I went through an entire internship with him and that led to us uh, becoming fast friends. I stayed yeah. there. I became his first full-time employee. Brilliant. And then later, later on, we got to open a, a sister gym together. So, Oh, so of, he was who you opened then the next gym with. Yeah. So we, I mean, we boomed Albany. By the wow. time I got there, he'd already been in business probably a couple of years. And um I was kind of like the first person he really had that could, that could sell. I mean, that was basically how I earned my position. Like okay. you got to be able to afford yourself. Yep. And um, I mean, I remember after the first time I swiped somebody's credit card, they trusted me with their information and said, yeah. they cool. Like I took every other like first thing through the door. And what was really cool is that we were doing like these one-off free trials and I would just do that. So I had a ton of like one-on-one personal training stuff yep. just from that, which was really cool which led to some other cool experiences where, so I started to develop like the onboarding process of like, Hey, we're going to do three sessions. Cause I didn't really have something yet. back in the day. And still foundation. with a lot of CrossFit's like foundations. Exactly. So I, we had called it on ramp. Then we called it boot camp. When I then moved it, like I had to fight tooth and nail for a while with some of this, but like we moved it to a two week program and I'd always been pushing for like this month long intro program. We call it boot camp. Yeah. Later on, when I he and I had a separation for a long time, um, I then moved it to foundation because I liked the, the term foundations to me is more appropriate than anything else. When I hear yeah. on ramp or boot camp, like that elicits like this military kind of like mm-hmm. beat yourself up kind of thing, as opposed to like here's your base that you need so that you can safely transition into this space because at the time it was primarily a group environment. And um, that was a really valuable experience for me, just like, you know, you and I have, are both in the spaces yeah. of like building relationships, whether it's business or um, me specifically with relationships, like so many people try to rush through that, that initial phase, they try to sell hot, they just try to get people in the door, they try to flood the doors and make a bunch of money and they think it's always a marketing and sales problem, as opposed to an experience problem. How do you feel at each step of this engagement? And we were really fortunate. I mean, he, we did a lot of cool like community things like innately. We didn't, there wasn't a plan. It was just like, this sounds like a fun idea. Yeah. Let's have some well, fun was, with everybody. That's what I was going to ask you because it sounds like more of your background was in the coaching aspect and working alongside humans. So then, you know, but then it sounds like when you came into the business, you went more into the operations and the bigger picture flow for that client and that journey. And you mentioned kind of the sales aspect like where did you learn those skills? The sales skills. Well, uh, so growing up, I was very much an observer. Okay. Um, you wouldn't believe it now, but like I didn't talk really at all, like until <laughs> I was seventeen. Um, I tell so everybody coming was, out your shell. It was well. If I lead into it a little bit, like I grew up in a in a cult. That's what I tell people. And um, so anything outside of like strictly sports mm-hmm. or strictly like studies like school i didn't know how to have a conversation because i didn't know how to engage that but my father he um he sells something called marketry he he is a, an artist yeah. and it's like high-end stuff and for anybody who doesn't know what marketry what the art form is if you take a painting and instead of paint you had thin pieces of wood veneer and it's cut out like pieces of a puzzle and you lay it together wow. so it's like high-end stuff he's worked That's with cool. companies like fender and made like specialty guitars steinway made high-end like specialty grand pianos and stuff like that um so i had experience going with him sometimes to these shows and then you know, i kind of call it now like i just watched him schmooze like 
I watched how he led people into a conversation, how he made them feel comfortable, how they made them feel warm. Looking back, I'm like, oh, that's how I learned how to sell. Like you have to make feel somebody feel comfortable before they're going to say like, I'm going to envision this piece in my home, bringing it into their home, feeling more connected there. Um, the practical thing of sales, I, I would just say like, it was just from being an observer, like when I was at the, that club fit, I was the welcoming committee. I was, people would come in and like just learning how to say hello and handle people's like frustrations over the phone, just dealing with people's annoying calls. Like people just upset about nonsense or wanting to book this and wanting that, just like yeah. knowing how to handle that um, and working from the end. Like, this is what looks right here. This is what a good feeling is going to feel like here. This is how conversation happens. Cause I know how isolated I felt for a long period of my life. I never wanted to make somebody feel the same way. So, I mean, fortunately enough, and I don't, I also bought in big time. Like I was full blown into the CrossFit thing at this point. Oh yeah. yeah. Everyone oh. has that moment, right? Bro. I drank the Kool-Aid hard and heavy. <laughs> Me too. And Me too. So, so with that, I think there's something to be said about in sales. Like if you truly believe in something. Yes. You have certainty. It, yeah. Like I had experienced personal transformation with that. I had lost my sense of athletic identity in college, put on a bunch of weight, found that, got healthy, and then got even healthier and more fit throughout my time working at the actual gym. Cause my buddy and I were just flying around on pull-up bars at, at this yeah. college gym, not knowing our ass from our ankles basically. And, uh, what I didn't appreciate was all the volume of work he had done in the marketing sense mm. of building trust beforehand. And I took that for granted. So, you know, yes. that's, a, that's something that I didn't understand. He, what I remember the moment when at one point, maybe two years in, we were switching, getting a new website built and we started converting over all the information from the old website. And the developer was like, this is obscene. You have more data here than like hot, like some like massive companies do in their thing Ask as well isn't it that transfer oh, it was nuts i mean i didn't know how, what all that yeah. i still nor do i ever want to know what it goes into like building an entire website like i start seeing numbers and spreadsheets my head just blows up but what i didn't appreciate as much at the time was that this volume of there's so many blog posts so many videos so many pieces of like the voice that was captured either by members or by staff or whomever or him of like, Oh, this is an educational platform. And people were obsessed with our website at that time. Yeah. We also inadvertently did some really amazing guerrilla marketing on Facebook. Like you just take a picture of somebody who is doing a squat. And of course, with those, you know, sweet rubber plates, it looks like they're squatting three times as much as what somebody else thinks they're actually lifting. So, you know, you have a lot of like these soccer moms got barbells on their back. They look yeah. badass. You tag them in there and their friends see them and all that. So again, by the time somebody walked in the door, they were already pre-sold. Like I didn't, I had to blow it. I had to like really mess up. And so my own ego got inflated by thinking like, oh, this is, I'm the best salesperson alive. Like, um, but that being, well, yeah, there was a process to it. That being said, like, to me, one of the important things was the feeling like I took a, a deep sense of pride. And I still, to this day, like a lot of people like look at somebody who's 300 pounds, we'll say, and they're like, Fuck, this is going to be tough. And to me, I was like, I would see that person. I would see their fear, but I'm like, you're my next testimonial. That was like the first thought in my mind. Like we can take you from that place. I know you don't feel sure of that, but I believe in you maybe more than you believe in yourself right now. And I like to think, and I hope that people felt that compassion and that love because all I really saw was like that loneliness that I had experienced when yeah. I was younger. And what I, as I've started to grow and mature as a business owner or a human being or whatever you want to call me right now is like, it always comes down to this empathy. If you're willing to sit in an uncomfortable space with somebody and put yourself in their shoes, the sales happen. Love what that. a lot of people forget though, is like, you have to keep the experience going. Mm -hmm. And for us there, dude, we had almost like a monthly party and we were, these, we were throwing like wild bangers. Like it was crazy. We ran this place almost like a frat house. It was nuts. It was just straight up nuts. And we had, uh, what did we have? We had 
competitions two, three, four times a year. We had going above and beyond. We went above and beyond. Yeah. And this was before any of this stuff like was out there. Yeah. You know, there's the, I know you are familiar with the book, uh, never lose a customer again. That has an actual like step-by-step thing. We didn't have that. This was like, we're just winging it. We're yeah. a bunch of bros who like fitness, who enjoy this whole thing called CrossFit at the time. And we like people. And mm-hmm. so I think when I started, we had like 60 people a year from that, we had 200 a year later, I believe wow. we had 400. And by the time he and I separated between both gyms, we had about 500 people between the two spots. And to me, that really spoke a lot to like the power of community, like using this amazing fabric of humanity to feel connected, to feel like the sense of belonging and also yield this result of like, well, I feel better in my body, whether or not I completely agree with all like the philosophies of CrossFit or anything like that right now, like fundamentally, that was the thing I got to see. I got to see this housed in this one space. So much more. So much more. So much more. And mind you, like I go attend a friend's CrossFit, like I'm a member of a CrossFit at my friend's place up the road. And um, I just see it from a different lens now. And, you know, methodology works for in certain ways, but, um, and I enjoy it for what it is. And I know how to apply it in my own way. Yeah. But fundamentally, I think for a lot of people, especially as we go through these different phases in our life, they feel so lonely. So, and especially if they don't feel good in their body, maybe they've been drinking too much or they use food as a mm-hmm. lens for like depression or whatever using now this new vehicle of feeling better in yourself around with uh, being around other people at the same time that also care about feeling good that are not trying to so powerful it's so powerful so powerful so i know i took it in like nine directions from that initial <laughs> thing about like sales but well, um, it's just uh, just to jump in there so i wrote down like five things that you kind of spoken about which i think is really important for that sales and marketing journey, which is where we kind of started. So I've got here, one was certainty or certainty and actually what you're delivering. And then the other side of certainty, which you spoke about was actually almost communicating that certainty to them, which was really powerful. Um, The other one was communication. That's so vital. And and by some things, one of the leading reasons and why you were so um, successful. Other one was connection being able to connect with someone on a deeper level. And it's not just that quick sale and that, you know, trying to just speed people through that process. Uh, you mentioned content and ultimately just sharing, you know, that journey, sharing that story for people at all stages um, of their journey. And then the last one that you spoke about was community um, and developing, you know, by the sounds of things, a, a very powerful community because that just, that just develops and builds such big raving fans um, of your business. And like you say, you're going from like zero to then two gyms at close to 400 people per gym. That's an amazing feat. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was more, way more at Albany than Clifton park. Cause we were a year, yeah. we were about a year in when he and I had a, a fallout. Um, thankfully here we are, what are we eight years now, nine years removed from that moment. And we have yeah. rebuilt our friendship, which that's a whole other powerful story in, in my life. But, um, yeah, man, we did some wild stuff. And we also got exposed, which I give him a lot of credit to. We had a, he was, ended up being my first financial advisor as well. And it was my friends as well. We got exposed to a lot of leadership stuff earlier on. We'll call it life coachy things. Yeah. So, I mean, this, we got into Simon Sinek with the whole start with oh, why nice. and all that right when he came on the scene too. I mean, this is just like, you couldn't have built a better incubator at the right time. It was just like yeah, unreal timing in the universe. And, um, yeah, I mean, those were, those were wild times. It was crazy. The amount of like work and long hours we did, like at a time in your, my twenties, like that was a pretty powerful experience to have mm-hmm. that where a lot of other friends that I had at the time, like they were kind of just very different. Yeah, I think uh, of- when I look at that in, for, in relation to like my journey, cause I, I had done my level one for CrossFit in 2012. Mm-hmm. So that was still like pretty early on. Um, and then I was very fortunate. I spent a long time coaching CrossFit full time in a few different gyms, mainly in Dubai. And you mentioned about like life coaching and then that personal development and how that, um, almost started to come into play and was a bit of a process for you. I'm just reflecting on my own journey was like, actually when I was coaching, yes, you're there to demonstrate movements and go through the physical transformation, but so much more of it was 
let's say life coaching, but you know, that mental and spiritual side where someone's coming in, you can tell they've had a bad day. You can tell something's not right. They haven't slept that they haven't eaten. Um, and then it's uh, it changes your coaching. It changes that connection, that relationship and how you approach that person in that day. Um, and it's, it's not spoken about probably even enough, even at this stage of yes, CrossFit and uh, physical training is important, but also the power of that in relation to the mental side and the reliance for some people on, on that. Um, and what was, so for you, you've gone through this transition of coaching on the gym floor and then let's say being exposed to the personal development and let's say, uh, let's say the, the mental side behind that journey. Um, what's that path looked like? For you what happened after you know it says like yes there was some incidents at the gym but what happened after that mm. uh so we'll go into the emotional stuff now uh what was i late 20s my dad almost died okay. uh, he had some complications from uh cancer treatment so he had like this stroke like event mind you we were also at a rough point like in the gym in a couple ways and I'd been dating my now wife for a little bit. And I remember going down to the hospital because he lives downstate. And um, I'm sitting there in the hospital room. And all of a sudden, like, there's like a lot of hustle and bustle, like things. I'm just like, he need, like he wasn't eating or whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, I just like took control of the room. Everybody quieted down. I took this like shitty hospital gruel and I started to feed him. And the first thing that hit me was the, when he looked at me and I was like this number one, this is not my father. Like, this is not the man that like raised me and guided me and all this thought. Number two was, this is a reflection of me. I'm dead on the inside. And that was the first time in my life. I was like, Whoa, this is the man in the mirror moment. And, um, I didn't fully process, I guess, I mean, all the other hoopla and emotion and stuff like that at the time. But as I kind of settled back from it and got a little breathing room from that moment and he started to get a little healthier and the dust started to clear, I started to look inward and, and I like, well, why did I feel this way? Because at that moment in my life, while I felt like I over-delivered on some things, I was, I was deeply afraid to like really go there when it came to the questions that really need to be asked of people. I knew that there was other stuff, relational business, so stuff that was going on in people's life, but I was too afraid to sit in that space. And unconsciously, I think I knew like, it's really my own insecurities right now that's holding me back from making that difference. And I felt inherently like I was wasting these gifts that I had. Wow. I had achieved some level of success. I've put the title on my name. I've had business owner. I've dated yep. the beautiful women. I've had the six pack abs and I've been best athlete in very small pond and all these other things, but I was like never happy. I was never fulfilled. Mm. I would have glimpses of it, but it was super short-lived and it massively externally driven. So this moment became my own first, like I'm, I'm a firm believer, like I'm not going to ask somebody else to do something I'm not willing to do yep. first. So that's when I started confronting my own stuff. And it was, I went to some counseling, I hired some coaches. We had a bunch, I mean, I've spent probably a little over 200 grand on coaching in some way, shape or form. Stacks up quick, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> you know what though? It does stack up quick for anybody who's like, oh my God, it's a lot of money. How'd you do that? Um, one, I had a business to fund a lot of stuff and like collaborated with people. But like, all these investments taught me a lot about like how other people see the world and also taught me a lot about how I'm viewing the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't look at them as different. Like this is a skill set in this venue, but what's the overarching concept that I could take away from that? And what it really became was like, I'm learning about my life. And the more I did that, the more I would sit, we changed our model of the business. We had this massive space that we had built into after my separated from my first business partner, Ian, who, you yeah. know, everybody who calls dad over at empowered yeah. CEO, like best friends, he'd guided me through some dark times. Yeah, we went on this journey, man. Mm -hmm. And we were just slowly focusing more on a deeper personal level, personal interaction, personal engagement. And, um, I just, I mean, we used to joke, like it would just be 
I would be having a day and I was like, I'm gonna, I see that person. I'm going to pull them off to the side. We're going to go talk for three hours yeah. in, the, in the office. And we're just going to solve life's problems. We joke and we call them Leb Reventions because Caleb, Leb, yeah. it's kind of a thing there. Um, where that's led me now, it's like what I started to realize that it it's not a weight loss or weight gain problem. It's not a business or a sales problem. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship problem. It's every single time because we catered to a lot of high-end clients. We were most expensive space in the area. Yes, they had external stressors or like symptoms of misalignment. I yeah. put on weight. Well, why did they put on weight? Oh, because I'm stressed at work. Well, why are you stressed at work? You're not in alignment. Why are you not in alignment? Well, they're having maybe disagreements with their wife. Well, why are they having disagreements with their wife or their husband or whomever? Well, they're not okay with themselves. And if they're not okay with themselves, what I've learned is like you don't communicate the truth in a way that is digestible and consumable and amicable with those that you are sharing your life with, whether it's your spouse or a business partner or your staff or your clients or your kids or anybody else. So it took a long time for me to like openly say like, Hey, by the way, this is the real thing. We need to start with the root of this thing. And if you solve yeah, solve the, solve the problem of the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror, however you want to define it. The external representation of that is going to change Yeah, in improved sales or flexibility in your life, more time, freedom, higher value services, whatever, more confidence in selling or delivering your service or product. You're going to have more time to then give yourself self-care and give your permission to work on yourself and improve in vast areas and educate yourself and yeah. whatever. But also you're going to feel more connected to your loved ones. And what I said before is like, I always felt like I inherently could connect with that loneliness in people. Mm-hmm. Well, if you feel lonely by yourself, adding another person to that is just like a crutch. You have to have them now in your life to do that as opposed to, Yeah. As opposed to arriving whole, complete, fulfilled, inspired, and another person who's whole, complete, fulfilled, yeah. inspired, sharing that space together, you create, you create beautiful things. Whether it's a family, a business, yeah. or just an experience on a vacation, or whatever it is. So, very long-winded way of getting me getting back to like that's where the life coaching, yeah. personal development thing started there. So when. When I look back, I always think like for me, I always had like a light bulb moment or a trigger um, that just completely changed my direction and changed the path I was going on. Would you say, you know, that unfortunate event with your your father and the man in the mirror, let's say, uh, realization, was that the trigger for you? Or was there a trigger even before that, um, you know, going into the gyms? Because it sounds like obviously you were already successful by this point. You'd already done so much. So in my mind, I go, oh, there must've been an earlier trigger. But then it sounds like actually this man in the mirror aspect was when like the real trigger light bulb moment was. I would agree with that. Um, I think that's like the most profound, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe, you know, we talk, I think about the higher Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. That might've been like the, so what am I really doing on this planet? Okay. Like the final ascension. And there's yeah. plenty of levels to that. Not to say that I'm better than, or you had the like, roof, you had the food, you, you were... had the, had the girl that really yeah. like fulfilled me, had friends that really loved me, had a business that, mm-hmm. you know, but the work I was doing this, the substance, this, the amount of time I was giving myself, it was not nearly in alignment with what I truly want, where I find myself much yeah. closer to that. Now, beforehand, I think each stage was different. Like, in high school, like getting fit was my means to go to the gym and connect with people. I felt lonely. That was the only way I could feel connected in college. There was the girl, like a lot of times in my life, it was cause there was a girl. And then yeah. I made that next change in my life. Um, I left the church because there was a girl that yeah. posed an opportunity. If anything like that, my first girlfriend, and this was 17 when I sat my parents down and said, Hey, I don't, I don't agree with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Try to be respectful. Nothing had happened yet. And I was like, Hey, there's this op, like there's this girl, nothing's happened yet, but if there's an opportunity, I'm going to follow it. 
long story short, pursued it and we had a bit of a fallout. So you'll notice I've had a few fallouts in my life. Um, that was the first time I would say like, man in the mirror wise, it was more of a, I'm, if I truly believe in something, damn be the consequence. I'm going to go this direction. Yeah. Same thing happened with the business. When we separated while we had all the, like, the funny thing is, we separated or we had a blow up yeah. literally the month before we were about to have our biggest month ever, ever. Like self-sabotage in a way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as I look, as I look back, I didn't even realize how much I did that self-sabotage yeah. thing. I didn't even do that. Like it's important for everyone. How much everyone self-sabotages. What are we all doing to self-sabotage ourselves? Well, even a few months before that, um, I, so I was trying to compete as an individual in CrossFit because I couldn't compete on a team anymore. And I remember it was the start of the open. It was like the second year they're doing the open, maybe third. I can't remember what. And I took steroids the literally like an hour before I showed up to the gym, I stubbed a needle in my ass. I nearly almost passed out because anybody who knows me, I hate needles. Yeah. Wow. And it was literally, I knew in that moment, like, okay, this is done now. Like you can't do this anymore. Was that another trigger almost in a way? I think it was that self-sabotage moment. Yeah. I didn't feel good enough by myself or who I was. Mm -hmm. What I could have really said is one, like, okay, I'm not good enough at yeah. this thing. That's okay. Yeah. I tried. I gave it a shot this year. No big deal. Two, do you care? Do you care enough to make this the priority? The truth was no. I cared more about helping others get better than I cared yeah. about being the athlete. And that's not just, and again, prefaced again, I was not that good. Like yeah. the people that are out there, I was big, big fish in a small pond. There's people that are far more gifted, far more effort, all that stuff. So I don't want to give the impression like I was all that in a bag yeah. of chips. Um, but again, self-sabotage, like I'm not even, I didn't give myself a shot when the, mm -hmm. like the time to step into the arena was there. Like I, I couldn't, I just couldn't. Yep. And even I would even say this self-sabotage thing happened after the fallout when I was in the business, like my wife, when I met her, she met me during the fallout. So like I went an entire year, I made $0. I moved in with some clients. I was coming off of steroids. I was putting on weight. I was massive stressed transitions. out. Massive. Like I'm, I'm going broke, like yeah. bad. Like I'd have siblings like help bail me out on some credit card debt a couple of times. Family helped out. This family housed me and fed me for a year. And from the outside looking in, like here was this, my wife is seven years younger than me. So she was 20 at the time. And I was yeah. 26, 27, all these external symbols of success as a mid something 20 year old guy are falling by this way. Well, yeah. it's all just, it's, it's plummeting. It's torpedoing into the ground. And she stayed by me. Not only that, she doubled down. on. Me. Yeah. And she, I didn't like, I, it was hard for me to wrap my head around, but like she scared the living daylights out of me because all the things that I had wanted in relationships prior to where I struggled, like going deep, I really struggled with intimacy yeah. with really being there. I remember she, we, we joke because we remember the exact moment, like we almost broke up or she almost broke up with me because I was just pushing her buttons yeah. and I pushed her hard. Even Ian, sometimes I'd be like, bro, chill the actual fuck What are you bro. doing? <laughs> he has saved my relationship many times. So Ian, if you're listening, thank you, buddy. I love you. Um, it was this idea of like, am I even worthy of this type of love and this type of loyalty, this type of commitment? First time you've this, seen it. First time I'd really seen she had the external stuff. Mm -hmm. Great. But it was the, and not to say the other women that I had been with yeah. before didn't have great things about them as well, but not all the little things that I needed to feel safe enough to explore who I am as a mm -hmm. man. And here she was and she's scared. And, and again, hindsight 2020, it's pretty obvious. Like I was trying to push her away because if I let her in, what if you leave me Yeah, now I'm hurt. So yeah, I think there was a lot. I think in anybody's journey, there's a lot of the man in the mirror moments. It's just yeah. like, what are the ones that are going to really say like, no, you're not looking back in this. You're not coming back in this space. Like you're moving forward now. Um, something as like my father's near death experience 
was like truly existential in a place in my life where I could grasp kind of what was happening around that, where I had a sense of responsibility, where people were relying on me. So many things that were coming in. And I still had like the weight of, I got to go home and like take care of clients and all the other things and be it. Life goes on. Yeah. Life goes on. So that was, that was that kind of journey to that space there, man. Yeah. Yeah, It was, it was really interesting. It's a unique question. It's really interesting from my perspective now, because I see hearing about the challenges that I didn't previously know about. Um, and I look at you now and I look up to you now to see healthy, leading, showing up, um, vulnerable. And from what I'm seeing, a different person now to, you know, I think you said seven, eight years ago, or even if you said 10 years ago. Um, what's been some of those almost like leading lessons that have helped you to get to where you are today Mm. from that man in the mirror moment. So number one is really just being honest with the demons. Um, I started to open up about some of the stuff. Like I didn't talk about the church stuff or whatever till I was in my, till till I was late twenties yeah early 30s um i didn't start opening up about some of my other darker stuff even with friends my wife is the first person i ever shared some of like the worst ever these are demons so you always had yeah Yeah. since i was like a kid a teenager and i get i was losing sleep over this thing yeah that nobody knew and um that was the first thing. Like you got to stare it in the face, man. And that was not like, I just came to peace with that. Yep. Like a year ago. So let's call that a three to five year process, maybe yep. longer. How did you stare those demons in the face? I just did it. Like, so the number one thing was like, I did some counseling I did. Okay. And then I would go tell like my inner circle of yep. like, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. I yep. just like put myself on the chopping block mm-hmm. And it usually came at a moment <clears throat> where this is where I, I've found like a really beautiful correlation and the gift that was business. Anytime there was like friction in the business, slow sales, anything like that, I always viewed it as like, this is a reflection of me holding back. And every time that's ever happened, it's like, I need to show people it's okay to be vulnerable. Maybe we all feel like a little pressure cooker. Everybody, what I find is expecting somebody else to just show them how to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you're the leader and, and I, I value that I had that weight on my shoulders because then it said like, I can't look for somebody else to save me from this position. So nobody else is coming here to like swoop in and solve the problem. But the second I became vulnerable, the second I opened up about whatever it became, because it was different things over time within a day, a week, sometimes like within an hour or less after it happened, as the universe would always follow in kind, something would shift, a client would come back, an opportunity would arise, a sale would come through, a thing would happen that to me signaled, okay, did the right thing. Yeah. And that was a big thing, how that's formally become a process for me. And this was probably, this is the nature of my business, which is called Naked Sunday. Naked Sunday was an act, a habit, an actual habit of vulnerability. So I had put on a bunch of weight towards the end of owning Purebred Athletics, which is my gym. Yeah. And I came back from my, uh, my honeymoon, pseudo honeymoon, whatever you want to call it, back 2019. And I was too... <laughs> The before and after pictures I've shown, it's usually 201, but I actually got up to 210 and I sit around like 170 right now. Yeah. I got as low as 160, but I remember I was like, you're in in model territory, right? (laughs) For all my my fans at home. Um, I was, I was the happiest with the people, with the people I had found. I was the most, I was happier than pictures that people would see when I was, jacked out of my mind i could do these crazy feats of fitness and whatever they didn't know i was in extreme pain physically yeah. they didn't know i felt lonely and terrified at the demons 
They had no idea. So I was like, but this is still not like, I was still in the fitness space at the time. And I still was like, I'm not worthy of leading people to help them lose weight. Like they're looking at this model, like, bro, you're not in shape. I'm not okay with that. So I was like, Hey, let's do it again. And my wife was listening to this, uh, Christina, the thing on Christina Aguilera of all things, I have her to thank of all people. So Christina Aguilera, if you're ever listening to me, we ever have a conversation. I have you to thank. Incredible. She goes, I heard that they do this thing called naked Sunday, her and her husband. And naturally as a, as a man to say like, Oh, my, my other half wants to just spend a day naked with me. Like, yup, this is awesome. You know, perhaps a little superficially motivated, but also driven with this other thing at the same time. Now, again, I need to preface this. Like, I, I, this is coming from a person at one point in his life. I literally sold a membership at Albany, butt naked in a hot tub to some other dude, butt naked, just like that. Like, didn't give a shit. Here I was. The story we went into, but keep going. Well, you know, <laughs> here I was seven years later, eight years later, whatever it is. I couldn't sit naked by myself in my own apartment. Wow. So what happened was like, I would just sit there every Sunday. And I remember like, I would just look at myself and then here it comes. Like, I did not realize how nasty and how mean and how like much I hated myself. All the voices came up, all of it. And then I looked over at my wife and I was like, well, she's still with me. She still loves me. I got these other friends like Ian and all these other great people. My, they still love me. They still, they're still by me. Why? And I would just come up with the reasons, like what they've told me, because we would share that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Okay. So my worth is beyond just my physical. Mm-hmm. It, it's like what most people think, like they have a drink, it's going to take the edge off. Well, this is a healthy way to take the edge off because now I was like, oh, I kind of, I liked myself a little more. Like I got some self-value and that allowed me to then look at my behaviors in the previous week. So like, I always would say like, yeah. well, you were stressed out on Tuesday. So you crushed a sleeve of Oreos. Huh what could you do better next time? Yeah. <laughs> and that became the process by which now like, I named my company. Like I didn't see it in the moment as that, but like it was this habit of like more or less looking myself in the mirror and saying, Hey, I love you because blank. And then the more I did it, like I bought into it mm. because then I would follow through with other behaviors, other actions to reaffirm that initial statement, which then it, more confidence, felt even more confident saying the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I compounded. It was compounding interest. While it wasn't like snap my fingers overnight, like I made better decisions in all aspects of my life. So not for nothing, like not too there, not that long after the pandemic hit. Yeah. And we realized early on, like for us to keep going, it was not going to be the right fit. So we closed the gym much earlier than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And during that time with all this new time available to me, I was like, before I go stuffing more stuff into my schedule, like how about we get clear with this? And we've talked about time freedom a couple of times. I know Ben and Ian talked yeah. a lot about it. It's like, this is the first time I started to give myself permission to just be like, I got to sit with my thoughts for whatever's to come next, whether it's going to be more health coaching or business coaching or whatever. Now what is more relationship and life coaching stuff things. It was just sitting in that uncomfortable space of like, I'm, no, I'm doing nothing right now. Mm. And I used to feel really guilty of just be like, I need more time alone with my thoughts than many other people. Yeah. And I just needed that. And what that gave me there was again, sitting naked with those thoughts. Yeah. What am I going to do this time? What fills my cup? What is this? And I tried some other things and this and that tried on some hats. So like, Oh, this is this thing I can do. And this is that thing I can do. That kind of led me to the space I'm at right now. So you're someone who's clearly sat with vulnerability for a long time um, and embraced that. And, and you talk a lot about it within, you know, the, the, the podcast that you have, Naked Sunday and the Empowered Couple Project. For someone who has these demons right now, or they are almost in a way like stuck, they're, they're stuck in the mud. They don't know how to take that first step. They don't know how to confront those demons um, what's that first step? How do they first tackle vulnerability? 
It's mm. a great question. I think about it from a dosing perspective. Like I started in the spot that I felt the most comfortable challenging that threshold. So it might, it might start with a physical thing. Mm-hmm. It might start with, I'm scared of going to the gym. So I'm going to drive to the gym, sit in the parking lot and then drive home. Like yeah. as ridiculous as that sounds, it's more practicing. Like I got a step closer and most people are like you didn't get in the gym. You didn't do the work. Great. They, they know that like, got it. But the work to get there, there was a lot of decisions just to get that far. And why I say that is like, not everybody's going to be ready right now. And like two weeks ago, I had a conversation with a couple of women who like could be chiseled out of marble. Like they look like Greek goddesses and they're wearing, bro, I'm telling you, like they're wearing the whole yoga yeah. get up, you know, the sports bra and the Lululemons and all the things. Hey, if that I comes mean, they, good on them. It does. The point I'm going to make is like, it doesn't leave much to the imagination. And they are like these really like very fit women. Yeah. And I'm talking about naked Sunday, this whole bit right here I'm talking about. And they're like, you sat naked by yourself on a Sunday. And they're like, I could never do that. And I'm like, you look at them like, you'd think of all people, they'd feel most comfortable there. Yeah. So I guess what I'm bringing to the table here is like, not everybody's going to be ready to go do that. If some may people like think that's extreme, you got to find that first thing. And in coaching, what I think about is dosing from a perspective, like what is the thing that you feel most comfortable sitting? Like what's that uncomfortable space that's like most comfortable for you to sit in? Yeah. And maybe it's like, I'm going to sit in that space today for a minute. And yesterday you could do it for zero. Okay, cool. You did it for a minute. The day after you might sit there again for a minute. That's still progress. Cause you did it two days in a row. Maybe the day after it's three not minutes. rushing that process, not rushing that process. And this is going to take time and accepting that. Mm-hmm. And notice, like I used a fitness example and I used a personal, like sitting and looking myself in the mirror and saying, I love you because like those are, there's so many different ways that you can do it. And it's relative to what the person cares about your avenue might be in business. So yeah. it might be, I'm going to ask this one extra question, not just the physical and the, the emotional mental side. It's there's so much more to it. Exactly. And a lot of, and myself included, I have at times been judgmental of like, oh, you're chasing that superficial validation. Well, no matter what, on the journey to get better at that external thing, you start to realize there's a lot more here. Yeah. You don't realize because no matter what, you have to learn to be consistent. And in that process, you're going to confront something that makes you feel very uncomfortable. And that's the actual mindset block or whatever self-limiting belief you have. So if it's the demon of, I don't like myself, well, learning to what, love yeah, learn to love yourself. Why do you like ask yourself the question? Well, why do you, as opposed to saying, I don't love myself every day, ask a question on what do I love myself yeah. for? What's one thing. And it could be, I like the color of my toenails. I don't know, like something ridiculous, but it's the now shifting the practice of turning it into something positive and asking the question, well, how can I love this? Yeah. How can I do this better? But in as small a dose as possible, you feel confident, not only that you can do it once, but like, cool, I, I think I could do that again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I always remember, remind myself of this, like in the gym, I'd have a lot of women that would come in and be like, I'm not strong. I feel weak. I don't feel that. And I, it's always like that hundred pound mark, be like a hundred pound deadlift or a hundred pound squat or whatever it was. I lifted a hundred pounds. And you'd see this elation. It was so cool for me. I'd be like, even sometimes one time somebody like verbalized, it was like powerful. Well, yeah. Well, the que- they, their shift goes, well, what else can I do? And you see their purview completely open to what they thought was possible in their life by overcoming one barrier. So it's not just like, yeah, a hundred pounds came off the ground. It meant something very different to them. A hundred pounds, yeah, a hundred pounds to you and me doesn't mean the same thing. And that's okay. It might be a 300 pounds or it might not have anything to do with fitness at all. It's what's that thing for you. And it might be in business. It might be in relationships. It might be in health. It might be in one of those things. It's got to be contextually appropriate to you because me no just sitting naked by myself is my thing. And yeah. I'm a little brash and I know, I know, <laughs> I know it kind of turns heads. Like I get it. And I like to be silly with it, but um, 
the idea of naked is more about being honest with yourself and with that honesty and with that, like, I see the problem, but I'm going to love it anyway. Yeah. How am I going to, how am I going to work on the thing that I don't like? Yeah. So that's a good question. I think, I think, um, this thing you touched on there is like, you've gone through your own personal journey of like learning almost how to love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, from the outside looking in, yes, there's always going to be more confrontation. There's always more for us to learn. It's a never ending journey. Um, but from what I can see, you're in a very healthy place of loving yourself. But then on your podcast, Naked Sunday, most of the time you end the podcast with love everybody. Mm. So what's the flip? What's the, why is that? Why is it love everybody? Why is it not love yourself? It's <laughs> the first time anybody's ever asked that. And I never consider it, to be honest with you. Um, so I got it from a client back in the day. She took my name, Leb, nickname, and she said, yeah. love everybody. Of course, with a fitnessy tone, like it kind of lands really well. But from that perspective, and I'm just going to play with the thought now. So many people, especially in this day and age, look at every opportunity to tear everybody else down. Mm-hmm. And this is a gift that I got from not only what I saw with my father's moment, but like my staff specifically, I remember I sat back in a team meeting once and I just looked at each one of them and I heard each of them talk about something. I go, that's that part of me. 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 And I go, Oh, these are all just reflections of me. Mm -hmm. Huh? That thing. I don't like that thing. I don't like that's also reflections of me. How would I feel if somebody hated me for these things that I'm not either not aware of, or I don't like, and that shifted my perspective towards each of them. And now I might not talk with everybody and I have exes and former staff members, former business partners, all these things. I love every single one of them because of what they taught me about myself. Ooh, powerful. Bro, I, I have so much love from that perspective. Like I don't have enemies. They might not like me and that's okay. I might like, just because there's a difference between loving somebody and liking somebody. Like I might, this might not be my favorite person to hang out and have a drink with, but I will love you no matter what. And sometimes that means different boundaries. Sometimes that means different space. That sometimes means a different type of relationship. I have a very different love and relationship with my wife than I do with Ian, like between friends and between my romantic partner, like that's very different. So if we can start to change looking as like, they are separate from me to that is me. How can I love that? What I have found in that I walk about my life with way less burdens. I'm still human. So if I'm having a day where, you know, maybe I messed up on a sale or I didn't sleep well or whatever, my abs didn't feel a certain way, like whatever, I'm all up in my feels the negativity kind of seeps in. I start to get a little judgmental and then I catch myself now much faster and go, they're teaching me something about myself. Mm, Why am I like, what, what, what am I upset about with myself right now? And then I become so grateful to them as a person for showing me that because it could have been with somebody else, but right there in that moment, they gave me that understanding. And if I never see them again, I want them to like, know that I left that space, loving them for who they are. And they're on their own journey too, man. Yeah. And, you know, deep down, we all kind of joke about like, you know, the, the, the beauty pageant winner, like they always get up like, oh, what do you want? Well, if you had one wish, what would you do? Yeah. Like, World peace. World peace. Yeah. yeah. Miss congeniality over and over. And you know what? Like a part of me is really disheartened that it's become almost a comical statement. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's, if we don't actually engage in a process towards moving it, maybe we will never get there. And that is what it is. It's that asin. how it is right now it's uh yeah it's under more pressure than ever before but it's needed more than ever before and to me like what i look at it's needed more than ever before it took and i've told my father as much like hey i'm so grateful and i'm sorry you had to go through that darkness and you went through that much pain to teach me the pandemic the political all the the craziness when i look out in the world i'm like you're teaching me something Ironically, like I went through the pandemic and got happier than I ever did. 
not because like, like, because I found my, I gave myself space and I was like, wow, I actually been preparing myself for inevitable chaos for many years. Like I was prepared for this. I'm actually sad. And, and I, my heart hurts for people who didn't like the other day, like a couple of weeks ago. And I joke, like my dog was going ape shit because the, the, I say it's the full moon, but I was like, I couldn't read his mind. I didn't know what he wanted. And I was so frustrated. And it's always like, I was trying to be on a podcast or have a call or this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, wanting to scream at him and then the next thought comes to my mind was like oh this is how all these parents who just like not only shifted their work to home but they got to homeschool their kids too and they might have like monetary stresses and they have all these other like they're worried about taking i'm like whatever side of the aisle on all the things from vaccines to political to everything whatever it was, I'm like, shit, you got a mountain of stress dumped on your shoulders. You may have not ever been prepared in any way, shape or form or been taught or been aware enough to practice that for me to show any anger or hate or malice towards you is to say like, well, what if I was in the same position? Would I want somebody to just like shit all over me because I'm having a bad day? No, like How would I just be give nervous? a little, yeah, give a little bit of love, man. And and we quickly find every time I've done this, like people think I'm like outside of my mind. Like, why are you so happy today? You're always living the dream. Like, because this is just practiced. Like yeah. this, I had to teach myself to think this way. And most people have no idea if I just had a terrible night the night before. It's like, mm-hmm. but like you don't need me raining on your parade. But that's also because I've given myself space and permission to have systems to take, to absorb that negativity before I dump it on the next person down the line. But again, not everybody's had that. And I think about the upbringings that other people have had. They've never had exposure to concepts or any of this stuff. What would I do to a five-year-old who just learned how to, like, this is the feeling of anger. Who knows what's going on through their head? Well, they don't even know how to deal with it. That's the first time they're ever experiencing it. It's like, I remember the first time I ever tried something and I failed, like, I felt like garbage. Yeah. Reaming them out is not (laughs) not gonna help them. Yeah, so like, that concept goes far beyond like just personal. It's like, mm-hmm. how about in your business? What if somebody had a bad day and they came in and they stormed into your business because they're just having a bad day? How would you talk to them? Show them a little love. And in my experience, every time you just meet that and you like try to meet them where they're at, try to understand them, try to listen, try to love them without expectation of something which that's an important part. That's love. Like that to me is like the truest form of love. I'm going to give my attention and my consideration and my acceptance of you unconditionally right now in this space, free of judgment. That's love. If we can lead with that, usually it works out, man. I have, and maybe not immediately in that moment, but you've set the stage for the next conversation that might move the needle. And then the next conversation, the next conversation. I've just, uh, I wrote down here, um, love everybody because they need it unconditionally and it teaches you how to love yourself. We just bottle that up and like put it as Insta <laughs> quotes everywhere, bro. <laughs> Influencing is that, that's right, right? <laughs> Hashtag influencer, bro. You're going to get a pl- blue check on your, on your Insta go. profiles after this there one. You there you go. I don't think my ego needs any scratching. I've done that far too much over the years. Trying to get away from that. Um, that's why I have a wife. She just puts a pin in that and she's like, make sure it takes care of that nonsense real fast. I love that. Um, I've got two quick questions for you. Fire away, bro. Uh, one is what advice would your future self give to you in this current moment? Mm. Oh my God. It's funny that I had a client not that many years ago asked the same thing. I would say my future self would tell my current self, enjoy it. Just enjoy it. And I say that because I tend to have my mind wandering in the future all the time. Mm -hmm. Ideas and creativity just fly out of my head. And that also, um, at times gets me from just sitting and enjoying the fact like, wow, dude, like I got a roof over my head, food in my belly, but I got a dog that makes me laugh. I got a wife that is like the 
highest form of ride or die. Like she loves me and I love her. I got friends that like would go to bat for me. I can make friends with somebody across the pond. Yeah. You know, I've met you one time in person and like, I just think of you as a great friend already. Like, wow. Like I got a lot. I got a lot. There's people that are just scrounging for their next meal. And like, mm. just enjoy this. Cause this is cool. And it's, it's teaching me the things that I'm going to need for the future. Enjoy it and be present. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Love it. Love it. So the, the final question was I asked your best friend for a, for a question for you today. Oh shit. <laughs> oh God. It's not too bad. So, uh, he's, <laughs> but Hey man, Ian wanted me to ask you if you were wearing jeans, cause I might cry during this podcast, uh, just was looking out for you. <laughs> Am I wearing jeans? And I know where he's going with it. <laughs> I don't know the backstory here. So I'm intrigued. Uh, how risque are we allowed to be here right now <laughs> hey first podcast who cares Fuck it. <laughs> you ever heard of the expression six to midnight <laughs> uh, six to midnight i actually have not no well let's just say it's Wait. getting aroused aroused <laughs> so, <laughs> we joke so i have now this i understand the uh, the reference <laughs> now you got it it might chafe in jeans right um i have this brash it's not even it's not so much a joke but it's kind of my brash expression of the 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 sentiment that i say my strange addiction is tears okay i've now softened this when i want to actually have like a more yeah. palatable approachable thing it's like yeah i have an obsession with vulnerability i've okay. I, I deeply value somebody's willingness to just say here's who i am yeah and to me tears and that's why he's bringing it up tears is the highest expression of honesty physically because if, whether it's happy tears or yeah. sad tears when you're laughing your your eyes out or you're crying because you're so deeply moved by something to me you see so many people i've had more people try to tell me like i'm never going to cry in front of you and i literally go like famous last words like give me enough time i'm going to ask you a question eventually yeah We're gonna, like it's going to happen enough. we've all got all got those demons Exactly. And like, to me, that moment when you say, Hey, I trust you enough with this side of me, this real piece of me, like from a place where I've felt in my life, super lonely, not knowing if I could connect with people, not knowing if I meant anything to anybody. When somebody says, I feel safe enough with you to share this part of me. And I trust that you're going to value me and love me on the other side of this. Like that's a huge compliment. So, you know, he takes it into many other (laughs) And I, I mean, behind closed doors, we take it to many a joking a place, but um, that's where he's probably, that's I'm going to say that's where he's going with it. So the podcast um, took a different turn at the end here. I love <laughs> took it. a different turn, <laughs> slightly existential, but a little yeah. provocative at the same time. So, you know, we got to have a little bit of both. You have to have the comedy and the drama at the same time to bring the both faces to the, the surface. So it's a good question though. And, uh, should he be wearing jeans during this? I don't know. Man, how depends on how he feels. And... Oh, that's great. That's so. great. Well, I just want to express my gratitude really for, for you coming on this, um, this chat with me today, obviously being the first, the first guest and, uh, let me mess up and let me, um, trial a few new things and for your patience. Um, I just want to kind of give you that opportunity, um, I know you have the podcast or the two podcasts, um, but how can the guys find you? Uh, what's the best place for someone who wants to come and connect with you on a deeper level? Uh, where should they go? Sure. Well, first I got to say, bro, you're awesome. As a coach yourself, like I, and I said this last time, I knew you were going to be an amazing host because coaching is about asking great questions and you're just an awesome human being. You, you make people feel safe enough to just share stuff. So like, I'm grateful for you just hosting the space and allowing me to share whatever random craziness in my head. Um, if anybody wants to connect with me, I got a website. It's nakedsunday.coach. Uh, you can follow me on basically all the platforms if you want. Um, my Instagram personal Instagram handle is at Leb in real life. Uh, my Instagram handle for naked Sunday is at underscore naked underscore Sunday underscore Yes, it drives me nuts. I understand. Straight up Naked Sunday was not available. Drives me insane. 
Um, <laughs> you can find Naked Sunday on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Um, if you just want the shortcut to that, go to anchor.fm backslash Naked Sunday. Uh, you can connect with me, Caleb Nelson, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Facebook. Let's just be friends. Like, we'll have a good time. I'm opening up a TikTok account too for Naked Sunday. Uh, I, pro- I don't know if I'm going to do the silly dances and all that stuff, but I don't know. Like, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's not still live yet, but maybe by the time this airs, it might be live. And who knows? Maybe I'll do a silly dance and have a picture with my dog. And <laughs> that's you know, true vulnerability right there is, all uh, of it. is, is dancing on, on TikTok. Um, but Cal, thank you so much. I, uh, I appreciate your time. And um, I look forward to doing this again. I, as do I. And I can't wait till you come on my, on my podcast. And Sir. you're just awesome. And for everybody who is listening, like if you haven't had a chance to work with Sam, talk to him in any way, shape or form, like take, get the opportunity when you can, because Sam, you're truly like, you're a great guy. Like just every conversation I've had with you, I feel connected. I feel present. I feel valued as a human being. Like you're just an awesome human being. So thank you for just being you. Thank you, sir. Amazing.